Coming up on today's episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast, we discuss some comments made by Buccaneers linebacker Shaquille Barrett on the NFL Network, as well as some aerial coverage by local Tampa media. But first, Vita Vea is slotted to miss some training camp time after a hand injury resulted in surgery. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's up, and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to builtbar.com and use promo code LOCKED ON to get $10 off your first order. I am James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at bucksnation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at Locked On Bucks at jarco underscore bucks, at dharrison82, and at bucks underscore nation. Your Tampa Bay Buccaneers lead story is nose tackle Vita Vea is going to miss some training camp time should training camp begin on time due to a surgical procedure he had on his hand. Vita Vea is no stranger to missing time in training camp as he missed most of training camp his rookie year And this injury doesn't seem to be anything serious, anything significant, but the recovery timetable may knock him out of the currently penciled in training camp start date. Yeah, obviously, anytime you have a Buccaneers player come down with any sort of injury uh, before training camp or even, you know, during the season at any point, really, you get concerned. uh, But it makes it even more concerned when it's such a key player for the defense, like a guy like Vita Vea is going to be. I mean, if you, we, that's something we've talked about extensively, James, during the offseason. We even did our remanager exercise of kind of taking a, a way of looking at where we felt like we can make improvements to the roster in a, in a fantasy type of environment. And what that, what that exposed to us is kind of where we were more confident than maybe we thought we were going into it and where we were less confident. And one of the areas that we all kind of came away saying that the Buccaneers needed to make some moves was in that interior defensive line uh, position mainly behind Vita Vea just because it's, it has been an area that, you know, when you look at the depth of that position behind Vea, there's just not a whole lot to be excited about. There's not a whole lot you can rely on uh, to be that kind of main guy. If Vita were to go out for an extended period of time, I don't know what the Buccaneers would do. I don't know if they would move Indomitian Sue inside. I don't know if he's really capable anymore of anchoring a 3-4 front as the nose tackle in there. I mean, you know, he's got the size and he's got the history, but he's a little bit older. He's, he's not quite as agile. And, and, you know, the strength is going to go a little bit there too. Uh, but what makes it even a little bit more concerning on the front end is the fact that it's the, it, the news came out the exact same day that we found out that Jason Pierre-Paul, who, of course, missed a huge chunk of last season due to the neck injury he suffered in a car accident, also had arthroscopic knee surgery. Um, so two key players in this defense, two guys that are definitely going to be leaned on by Todd Bowles to anchor that defense, coming up with procedures here shortly before camp gets started. The good news, though, is that Rick Stroud of Tampa Bay Times is the one who kind of broke all this stuff. I uh, was talking about, you know, the, the procedure happening when it's happening. He's going to miss some time at the beginning of training camp, but he's not going to have any limitations once regular season gets going. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised. with The way that things sound, he'll probably get some work during training camp. Whether or not he plays in preseason games is really kind of up in the air. I don't think the Buccaneers are going to want to push it all that much just because it is preseason. Of course, there's the talks of having only two preseason games instead of four. Uh, when you look at a guy like Vita Vea, though, the, the considering the time you missed as a rookie, like you already mentioned, and how well he did after that, considering the kind of the growth that we've seen since then, I don't think the Buccaneers are going to feel too hard pressed 
to make sure he gets preseason game action as much as they are just to make sure that he's healthy, healed, and building from a knowledge standpoint as well as a health standpoint from that first year under Todd Bowles. Yeah, and I don't think either Vea or JPP are going to be set too far behind by missing any kind of time regarding training camp. They'll be there. They'll, you know, they'll be able to show up when, when it counts and when it matters and, and be able to play. We're not talking about a situation like Jason Pierre-Paul's last year where he missed almost half a season because of a crazy accident that, that ended up causing him to break his neck. We're talking about two minor surgical procedures that the timetable, yeah, they, you know, JPP should be there for the beginning of training camp. Vita Vea might miss a couple of days to a week, maybe two weeks. You know, nothing, nothing crazy, nothing uh, that really should get anybody concerned about their availability status for week one of the season. And that is assuming that all of this is actually going to start on time. You know, like I mentioned, we're, we're kind of penciled into these dates right now because of the ever-changing landscape of what's going on across the world and, and in the United States and especially in, in Florida with these COVID-19 cases. So, you know, it's, it's a little concerning. You, you want the players to be healthy and everything, but at the end of the day, what, what they've gone through is, you know, it, it's nothing to be overly concerned about. The guys should be ready to roll come week one of the NFL season. The Locked On Podcast Network stands against racism and social injustice. That's why we, the hosts, are making personal donations to local and national organizations that are fighting for change. And in the month of June, Locked On is matching the total of all host donations up to an additional $10,000. To make your own donation along with us, please visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash Black Lives Matter. You know David and I have got to talk about our favorite thing besides the Buccaneers to talk about on this podcast, and that is our friends over at Built Bar. That's right. Built Bars are a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, and they come in all kinds of amazing flavors. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They are great for the health-conscious person. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high Fiber. Just this morning, I kicked my day off with a banana nut bread bar, 150 calories, 18 grams of protein, 6 grams of fiber, 5 grams of sugar, only 5 grams of fat. You guys have got to check out these bars for yourself, and you can do so by heading over to BuiltBar.com and use promo code Locked On, and you will receive $10 off your first purchase. Again, Use promo code locked on for $10 off your purchase at builtbar.com. It's a Monday edition of the Locked On Bucks podcast. And David, we've we've discussed the issues with Vita Vea and Jason Pierre Paul. Now we have to talk about something that really had Buccaneers fans a little, a little concernicus on the Twitters and on the Facebooks and on whatever other social medias they were going to to freak out. And that is the comment by Shaq Barrett when he was on NFL Network. And Shaq Barrett had come out and basically said that, you know, the signing of the franchise tag, which he's one of one of the players that has not done so to this point across the NFL, but his status of signing the franchise tag is at about 50-50. 
Now, that's kind of a drastic turn from where we started when the tag was placed on him and he was all over doing interviews and everything. And he was saying, yeah, I have no problem signing the franchise tag. That's more money than I've ever seen in my entire life. I have no issues signing the franchise tag. Let's get it done. We can work out a long-term deal later, yada, yada, yada. It seems like he's kind of moved away from that initial reaction and he's, he's talking about the long-term security, the long-term safety of a multi-year deal. I think, you know, ultimately, and, and we'll get into it a little bit deeper, but ultimately, ultimately, at the end of the day, I don't think it's anything to worry about. I think Shaq signs the deal, whether it's the franchise tag or they get something long-term worked out. But, yeah, it, it, kind, of, it, it kind of started triggering some alarms for some Bucks fans that, here we go, things have been so great for this team this offseason as far as who they're bringing in. And now now we're, we're going to hit that speed bump. Right. I mean, this is a guy who, you know, spent his entire NFL career as a backup in Denver in the shadows of guys like Von Miller. Uh, and then they drafted – they spent an early first-round draft pick on another guy to play the other side of their defensive formation. So Shaq pretty much knew right then and there that he wasn't going to be in Denver much longer, uh, even though they still love Colorado. I mean, as recent as at least a couple days ago, uh, as we're recording over the weekend, uh, Shaq and his wife and his and their children were in Colorado. So, I mean, they still have ties to Colorado. Uh, and, and let me tell you something. If you follow Shaquille, uh, Shaquille Barrett on, on Instagram, specifically on Instagram, but, I mean, on any social media platform, this is not a guy who's worried about uh, his, his future right now. This is a guy who is fully engulfed and enjoying every day of his life uh, with his wife, with their family, and his wife is in the same boat. I wouldn't make a whole lot to do about this. Shaquille Barrett is going to be a Buccaneer in 2020. In fact, he even said so. James, we were talking about this offline on Sunday on his Instagram account, a Buccaneers fan or two or a couple. I can't remember exactly who it was or how it went down, but basically somebody commented on a post he he posted on Instagram and said, hey, man, like tell me you're going to be in Tampa. Tell us you're going to be a Buccaneer in 2020. He said, yeah, man, I'm going to be a Buccaneer. I'm going to play in Tampa. Don't worry about all that. It's going to get figured out. So I think the key thing to remember about Shaquille Barrett is as, as famous as he is right now, as well-known, you know, 2019 sack leader, all of that stuff kind of happened overnight. Shaquille Barrett has not been this highly touted, you know, day one draft pick. He didn't play at Alabama. He didn't play at Ohio State. He didn't play, you know, any, in, a, in a Power 5 conference. This is not a guy who has spent his entire football career being coached and groomed on what to say, when to say it, how to say it in public. This is a guy who, when he gets on the camera with you and you're calling Wolf at the NFL Network, or he gets on the mic with you at the Locked On Bucks podcast, he's giving you his true self. He's not out there playing any games. He's not out there, you know, uh, trying to trying to deliver a message through a filtered funnel that somebody gave him and a script to write or to, to follow. He's going to give you the true Shaquille Barrett that he is. The really interesting thing, and that's kind of what brings me up to this, the real interesting thing that he said uh, in that conversation with Colleen really to me was, we'll find out more on Friday or something like that. I'm paraphrasing. Basically, it was, we'll find out more on Friday, right? It's, it's a little 50-50. It's still up in the air. We'll find out more on Friday. And not only did it pique my interest, but also pique Scott Reynolds' interest. And I know a lot of you guys out there listening to this probably, you know who Pewter Report is and the Pewter Nation podcast. They, they had an episode go up Friday about this topic. And Scott even went on record and said he has some inside, inside information because that made him curious that there's been no uh, progress made or no you know, ground made up on getting Shaq a long-term deal with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as far as he knows anyway, as of, uh, we'll call it Thursday, when they probably recorded their Friday episode. So what did Shaq mean by, uh, by, the, by the Friday deadline? And I think it was Matt or it was Taylor who also brought up the same, a similar topic on that episode, which was 
well, what if it has to do with the franchise tag? So we know Shaquille Barrett's been franchise tag. He's labeled as a linebacker. Um, so he's set to make about $15.8 million, I think, uh, with this year's uh, franchise tag. But if he were labeled a defensive end uh, with that franchise tag, he's, he stands to make a little bit more money. We know, James, again, we were talking about Jimmy Graham back when he was with the New Orleans Saints. He was franchise tagged as a tight end, tried to get that switch to where he was tagged as a wide receiver. If memory serves, that did not go through. So we don't know. Maybe Drew Rosenhaus, his agent, his, the leader of his agency, is trying to do something similar. What do you think about the prospect of – because this isn't the first time this conversation has come up. Again, you look at a guy like Jimmy Graham, I don't know if you would really look at him as a traditional tight end or would you look at him more as a wide receiver type. Do you feel like Shaquille Barrett, if that is what in fact was happening and that they were quote-unquote basically going to address the league office and wait for an answer by maybe Friday, do you think Shaquille Barrett should get that higher franchise tag as a D-end or do you think that he deserves linebacker and that's what he should get? No, he he needs to be tagged as a linebacker because that's the position that he played. And that was the argument, if I remember correctly, uh, when Jimmy Graham was trying to get wide receiver money after being franchise tagged, it was the amount of snaps you take at a position. And we know that Shaq took his snaps at outside linebacker. That's just kind of how it is. I, I understand in the case of, of Jimmy Graham, it was – yeah, he lined up at tight end, but he put up wide receiver numbers. Okay, that's great. You know, congratulations, you put up those numbers. The same kind of goes for Shaq Barrett. You know, yeah, you put up huge defensive end-like uh, sack numbers, and, and I'm, I'm using defensive end sack numbers almost, almost kind of old-school style because now we're starting to see these these top sack guys tend to be outside linebackers. It's the Von Millers. And so when you when you take a look at it from that aspect, you know, he where he lines up, yeah, he's on the line of scrimmage, but he's a stand-up position, you know, away from away from the tackle. So yeah, he's he should be tagged as a linebacker. He was tagged as a linebacker. I don't think they should they should be able to switch it over. Uh, just to try to get him some more money because of that hybrid style position that he plays. Now, does does Shaq deserve the money? Well, sure, absolutely. But you're talking about a team that is so close to the salary cap limit as as they are. Every dollar is going to count. Every dollar that they can save, every dollar that they don't have to put towards this franchise tag is going to benefit them. And it's going to benefit Shaq as much as it benefits the team because that allows them to go out and get somebody else and, and bring in some more depth or, or however you want to look at it. So if, if that's really what Rosenhaus is trying to do, which wouldn't surprise me because Rosenhaus, he's one of the best in the business for a reason, and that's because he will get his client every single penny he possibly can, and I'm sure it drives GMs absolutely bonkers. But – if that's indeed what Rosenhaus was trying to achieve, I think he's going to lose that battle. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, and I want to make it clear, too, uh, just to, you know, to our listeners, that you know, Scott wasn't saying and the Pewter Nation guys weren't saying that's what Drew was doing. That was their speculation. And I kind of, I kind of agree that that possibly could happen. I mean, if you ask me, if you're representing an NFL player, and especially one like Shaq, uh, you're not really doing your job 100% if you don't try to go out and get him a little bit more money if you think you can find the loophole. So if Drew didn't do that or somebody at the agency and at least didn't put in a phone call to the league office, I would be surprised and you know, I'd be disappointed for Shaq because human to human, uh, I want Shaq to get that money. I want Shaq to get paid as much as he can because that's, you know, that's just how people thrive. Um, 
but yeah, coming from a league standpoint, coming from, you know, the outside looking in and kind of just the black and white of, of, you know, the way that everything is written. Yeah. He, he lined up as an outside linebacker. He played as an outside linebacker. That's where the Buccaneers designated and that's how they, they coach him. Uh, so he should get paid the franchise franchise tag as an outside linebacker and focus more on the season, which uh, again, none of this, I don't think any of this is detracting from his focus on doing what he needs to do with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 2020. And I think Shaq also understands too, that if he comes back, and has a same type or even similar. I mean, he doesn't have to get 19 and a half sacks. If he gets 15 sacks, you know, uh, 15 sacks on a Super Bowl winning team or 15 sacks on a playoff team, you know, that's he's going to get paid in 2021 no matter where, whether it's in Florida, whether it's in New York or wherever he ends up landing in 2021, he's going to get paid. I think for the Buccaneers, it's smart business. You know, you talk about Scott saying that his source inside the building or his inside source, quote unquote, get you know, told him there's really been no movement on a long-term contract between the Buccaneers and Shaq and James. In my opinion, that's the smartest angle for the Buccaneers to take because while I love Shaq, you love Shaq, the fans love Shaq um, and everything. Listen, he, he, we've seen it time and time again. He could be a one-year wonder. This could be the one year that Shaquille Barrett really blows up the spot, the scene in the, in the, in the, in the NFL. He goes and makes himself 15 million plus. And then next year, you know, uh, 2020 that is, he comes in with maybe a modest eight sacks, nine sacks. The Buccaneers decide to move on maybe, or they try, they lowball him a little bit because of those numbers. He goes somewhere else, and he never has that type of a season again. You know, we've seen those types of stories happen before, and I don't wish it on Shaq by any means, but as an NFL franchise, it's smart business when you don't have to go out and give a guy a five-year contract for one year's worth of proven performance to go ahead and ride that second year and say, look, if you give us two, then we can talk about a three- to five-year deal. That's just smart business in the NFL. And I really, James, I think the Buccaneers are moving towards, and this is getting way, way ahead of us, of, of what we really need to focus on right now. But looking at 2021, I think we're looking at a scenario where the Buccaneers either re-sign Shaquille Barrett and let go of JPP, or they're keeping JPP, which means that Shaq did not play up to uh, the franchise tag numbers, keeping JPP, drafting a potential replacement to compete with Anthony Nelson back there, and moving on from Shaq. I really think that's kind of what we're moving towards. Yeah, very well could be. I, I don't I don't disagree with that assessment at all. Now, we all hope that Shaq lives up to what he did in 2019 and he can kind of be the the face of this defense moving forward as far as as the most feared uh sack guy on on the team. I mean, you know, you could you could make the argument that Devin White could be the face of the defense or Vita Vea could be the face of the defense. Levante David, it's, it's probably long overdue that he was the face. But, you know, when you're putting up double-digit sack numbers, that's going to get you on the highlight shows. That's going to get you the interviews on on NFL Network and NFL Radio. And, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to sell jerseys. It's, it's going to get the attention because sacks are a sexy stat. I mean, that's just how it is. You know, you could, you could have, you know, 14 sacks, but those are the only, you know, 14 good plays that you had all year it just so happened that they they became sacks so now you're now you're a superstar and you know it would it would be great for you know the the bucks to to really find that diamond in the rough and and work out something long term for Shaq and let him be here for the next four five six seven years that that would be fantastic but at the end of the day you know they they have to protect the the present as well as the future, which is why maybe having him play on this franchise tag is the best thing for both sides. Shaq could go out and make himself even more money next year, 
or the Buccaneers could avoid a, a disastrous contract like we've seen so often in the past with this franchise. So they have until July 15th to kind of figure all this out and, and for Shaq to sign the uh, the franchise tag and you know one one way or another we're going to we're going to know what what we're dealing with before camp. I don't think Shaq is going to hold out. You know, it, it's not that kind of situation. It it's merely he's going to try to capitalize off the one year the Bucks probably want to see him prove it one more time before they give him the big money. And, um, yeah, there's, there's no reason to think that Shaq Barrett won't be there when, when and if whenever training camp opens up. Today's episode of Locked on Bucks podcast is sponsored in part by Rock Auto. And, guys, one reason to repair and maintain your car, of course, is to save money that you can then use for other important things like mortgage payments. Why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, or even 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or a new car dealership that you can get at rockauto.com? For example, a Delphi FG1456 fuel pump assembly for a 2005-2010 Honda Odyssey will run you $350 plus at a big chain store, but will only cost you $216 at rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices you prefer. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Kicking off your week with the final episode of the month of June for the Locked On Bucks podcast, James, we are already over the halfway mark in 2020. Uh, but James, we're going to kick off, or we're going to finish off this episode talking about a little bit of something that's that's caused a little bit of a stir, and that is, of course, the aerial coverage of the private workouts being held by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers players, specifically Tom Brady, and then, you know, after Tom Brady's name gets thrown out, it's who joined him. Even guys like Mike Evans are being thrown in as footnotes. And something happened, you know, kind of recently uh, that kind of sparked us to talk about this on the show. For one, I wrote about it on BucksNation.com, and kind of the the Tom Brady effect on, you know, the increase in coverage. And I've seen many people on social media, uh, media members, Zach Lobner is one who had talked about, you know, for years and years and years, Buccaneers fans and even media members have been saying how the national media just, just kind of ignores the Bucs and puts them in a corner and doesn't shine a light on them, even though they deserve it. Some of their players deserve it, despite the win-loss records and the lack of playoff appearances. And now that Tom Brady is here, I mean, we've got coverage from everything of private workouts. We've got, you know, breaking news on whose house, who somebody else bought, how many duffel bags some player brought to a meeting with a coach for just a brief second, uh, so on and so forth. And now, of course, you've got the Fox 13 helicopter flying over prep school fields watching these guys practice. Uh, Kevin O'Donnell, of course, Fox 13 is, is the main, I guess, culprit, if you want to call it that, uh, tweeting out some of these videos and, and doing all this stuff. And, yeah, the, the, the reason we – we wrote about it is because Mike Evans, not only was he unveiled in his first, in the new uniforms for the first time by the Buccaneers, but he also joined the private workouts for the first time in a tweet shared by Kevin uh, using that helicopter footage. Uh, and then Booger McFarland, uh, everybody knows who Booger is, either from his playing time or his analyst time on ESPN, uh, went ahead and tweeted uh, at Kevin. Uh, Kevin kind of insinuated that, you know, the, the players weren't really following, you know, social distancing or NFLPA guidance as far as the spread of COVID-19. And here's what Booger had to write. I'm going to quote his tweet. He wrote, 
quote, nor should they stop him, the NFLPA that being. Uh, the NFLPA advises against it but didn't say it was mandatory to stop. Tampa media is going a little overboard with the helicopters. It's as if we never had star players in this town and workouts haven't taken place. Shake my head. Let the players work. End quote from that tweet by Booger McFarlane. James, I wrote about it, and then we, wrote, we put up a, a poll. And last count, 81% of the respondents on BucksNation.com either love it, like it, or are indifferent to the aerial coverage being provided, uh, leaving just 19% who don't like it or hate it. So as much as Booger doesn't like it, I don't know how the other Buccaneers players have, have felt about it. They really haven't really said out loud. But it seems that Bucks fans actually are enjoying this coverage in this time of, of little, little sports, little to no sports to watch, and definitely no football to watch. David, I don't say this very often. So mark, mark the day down on your calendar because it'll probably be a long time before I ever say it again. I agree with Booger McFarlane. The aerial coverage has gotten a little bit ridiculous. And it's just become fodder now for the people you know, who are reporting nationally or the people on Twitter who want to complain about Tom Brady running these private workouts. Now, that's not to say that we wouldn't see glimpses of the private workouts if the helicopter's not there because Brady posts on his Instagram, Gronk posts it on his Instagram. You know, it, that's all well and good. That's up to the players. But there have been numerous times that that helicopter starts hovering over top and the players stop working. Tom Brady will walk off and start talking to somebody because they know the helicopter's there. Look, I understand from a business aspect for Fox 13, it's going to draw ratings. Even if they're not doing anything, it's going to draw ratings. I understand. But come on, let these guys work out in, in peace. You know, they don't need a helicopter hovering over them every minute that they're out there. And when the helicopter is hovering, they tend to start slacking because they don't want to give them anything. So, yeah, it, in my opinion, the, the Fox 13 helicopter issue has, has jumped the shark. And even though it, it's going to result in ratings, I, I heard Kevin O'Donnell say on – was it, it might have been Colin Cowherd's radio show. They have to share whatever footage they get with a competing news station in the area because the two stations share a helicopter. So it's not even like this is exclusive footage anymore. You're having to share it with a competitor. Just, you know, it was, it was awesome the first couple times to see him out there working out with these guys, but it, I'm, I'm over it now. Knock it off. It's annoying. Yeah, I mean, listen, there, there are things, uh, you know, every, every profession carries with it a dark side, right? Uh, I'll use that phrase to make you happy. Um, there, there's parts of every job that people don't like doing and don't want to do. And I don't know if Kevin enjoys sitting in a helicopter, you know, uh, overhead of Tom Brady and his teammates as they're trying to work. Uh, but, yeah, exactly what you said. I mean, you know, one, one, of, the, one of the main kind of characteristics of media you're supposed to do is you're, you're not supposed to be an influencing party of what's going on and what you're reporting on. In sports, it's unique because as a sports reporter, you know, you can't – so as a sports reporter at, at training camp, right? So, so let's for example, training camp or practice, right? There are open sessions and there are closed sessions. And in those closed sessions, the team is working on things that are, that are going to be a strategy standpoint or their formations that they're installing – things they don't want other teams to know about. And they tell us, they tell media members 
hey, turn off your cameras. Don't tweet out specifics about, you know, oh, we saw Chris Godwin and Mike Evans shift from this side of the formation to this side of the formation with this type of call, all that stuff. Don't give away strategies. Because then as a media member, you're not just a fly on the wall delivering information and what's going on to the people that are reading or listening your work. You're now influencing the work itself. Because if you broadcast formations, if you broadcast plays, if you broadcast adjustments and shifts across, you know, whatever media wave you're, you're broadcasting across, that team now has to change their strategy. That team now has to change what they're installing. Or another team has the opportunity to see that footage, and now they can adjust what they're doing. And now you're influencing the news you're going to report. So if you report, if you film a funnel screen to Chris Godwin from Tom Brady to the left side of the formation, and then that next week the Tennessee Titans go out there and take a pick six back on that exact play, you have now influenced that outcome. That is not what you're supposed to do as a media member. So it's kind of a hard hard spot because, I mean, you can't deny the interactions, right? The fans have voted and, they, they, and more of them love it than they do hate it. Uh, the tweets get a lot of interactions. You know, they get a lot of people talking. Uh, I don't know how the post that we wrote did, but I, I assume it did fairly well. So, I mean, it is interesting and it is stuff that people want to know, but then there's that line between, are you reporting things that need to be reported that people need to know about? Like, do people really need to see Tom Brady and the Buccaneers doing private practices at a prep school football field? Or are you doing things because you know it's going to be sensationalized? You know it's going to get you know clicks. Um, I can't speak for Kevin. All I can say is if I was told to sit my butt in a helicopter and tweet out about private workouts, I would not feel too good about myself going home at the end of that day. If I was sitting in a bush outside of Tom Brady's house waiting to get a glimpse or, or a quote or try to get an exclusive quote uh, for my major website, I would not feel too good about myself. Uh, but again, we all got to pay the bills. So, I mean, if the boss tells you to do it, you know, every, we can all sit here and say what we would or wouldn't do, but until you're in that position, it's kind of, you know, I don't want I'm not going to mock uh, those who are in that position and do it to, to pay their bills. Because again, I'm not sitting where they are. I'm just happy that James Jarko and Gil Arcia don't ask me to do the same. Yeah. David, I've been meaning to tell you, um, what your next assignment is for Bucks nation. We'll discuss off air. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that is going to do it for this episode. We will be back on Wednesday with a brand new episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast. But now that you're all done with this episode, please check out the Locked On NFL podcast covering all things NFL on your favorite podcatcher of choice, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And as for David and I, please Check out everything going on over at BucksNation.com. Follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JRCO underscore Bucks, at DHarrison82, at Bucks underscore Nation. Send us your voicemails to 813-444-5841. Hope you all have an absolutely outstanding day. Stay safe, stay healthy, wash your hands, and be good to one another. And we thank you so much for joining us right here at Locked On Box.